And welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Islanders Podcast. Rough night for the New York Islanders. They fall in Game 1 to the Tampa Bay Lightning by a score of 8-2. to two. Islanders giving up 8 goals in one game, playing poorly and, quite honestly, completely outclassed. We'll break it down, talk about what went wrong, what the Islanders have to do to regroup, and put this loss behind them. Uh... We'll also have our Islanders' birthday of the day, and boy, is that a necessary distraction right now, and a whole lot more to discuss uh, before Game 2, which will be Wednesday night. If you have something on your mind you want to talk about regarding the New York Islanders, a question, a comment, a topic, feel free to email us, the email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You could also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI, and we'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news and notes. All right, Game 1 was, without question, a complete unmitigated disaster and the Islanders were outclassed outplayed in every facet realistically of this game and it doesn't matter what you look at look Tomas Grice got the start let in three goals in nine shots did not play very well, but again, I can't say that any of those three goals were necessarily soft goals or bad goals to give up. Uh, He was, you know, barely in there for 10 minutes and 46 seconds in this game. Uh, You know, Braden Point gets the first goal just a minute 14 in, and he just blew by the Islanders' defense. just looked like they were flat-footed and just plain out beaten uh, on that play. And it was really kind of downhill from there for the New York Islanders. And, you know, point on on that play, uh, skating right around Pulak and blew past him in front, gets in front of the goal, not much that Grice could do at that point. Now, 
The Islanders tied it up. They get the power play goal from Eberle, but then Tampa Bay back on the power play and a blast by Victor Hedman from the point makes it 2-1, to one, bolts, and then later in the period, Ryan McDonough gets his first. Again, both the second and third goals were screens where the Lightning were able to set up players in front of the goal, get a lot of traffic in front of Grice. He couldn't see uh, the shot until it was too late, and you had defensemen scoring goals from long range as a result of great, accurate, hard shots. Uh, One goes in just inside the post, the other one under the crossbar and inside the post, and Grice was done for the day. And look, you can't blame Grice on any of those three goals in particular, but you can't blame Barry Trotz for trying to change goalies and maybe change the momentum at that point. It's still a three to one hockey game, and you would think that the Islanders would still be in it. They would have had a chance, but realistically, in that first period, it, it was just a one sided hockey game. And no matter what the Islanders did, Tampa Bay was on top of them. The Islanders did not have any room to get the puck out of their zone and transition. And Tampa Bay, anytime an Islander touched the puck, it looked like the Lightning had not just one player on them, but two. And there was no time and no space for the Islanders to maneuver, to skate. You didn't see Matthew Barzal using his speed and creating scoring opportunities, uh, none of that was possible. The defenseman couldn't pinch in and become part of the offense. It, it was just not going to happen. And yet, Tampa Bay, proving in this game that they are faster, bigger, and more skilled than any of the teams that the Islanders have faced in the first three rounds of the playoffs. Certainly Tampa Bay better than the Florida Panthers, And look, the Washington Capitals and Philadelphia Flyers are good hockey teams, but Tampa Bay really just played at a different level than either of those teams were able to address in this game. Look, you want to try to find some silver linings? Uh, Okay, here they are. The Islanders are still only down one game to none in this series. You could lose two to one in five overtimes, or you could lose eight to two and look horrible like the Islanders did tonight, and it's still only a one-to-nothing deficit. Another bright spot, well, yeah, Jordan Eberle did score a goal in the Flyers series. He did pretty much everything but score a goal, Uh, so at least Eberle is off the schneid, and that is encouraging. So, Yeah, that's about it for the silver linings. Uh, It was an ugly game. It was one of those situations where if you're an Islander fan or if you're a player on the New York Islanders, you want to take this game and forget about it as quickly as possible. Not that they can ignore the game film and, and, and not try to find out what they did wrong. That's not the issue. But boy, oh boy, there was so little good in this game that you almost have to start over. And 
you know, look, again, you're down one game to none. It's got to get better. We will talk about some of the things the Islanders have to change. And then there's the big question. Who do you start in goal in game two after this debacle? We have that, our Islanders birthday of the day, and a lot more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. And folks, if you want to keep your car running smoothly, you've got to check out rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and for do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible, rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear, like airlines do. There's no membership requirement or account login, and rockauto.com is a family business that has been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic, your truck, your daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks and they'll deliver it directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So one question that everybody was asking before uh, game one, and we talked about it on yesterday's show, if you want to check that out when we previewed the series, uh, how would the layoff that the Lightning had, they finished off the Bruins in five games, had pretty much a week off, in Edmonton waiting for the Islanders to arrive, would the Lightning be a little rusty and out of sync, or would the Islanders be a little tired? I I, I don't think the Lightning were out of sync in Game 1. We got our answer to this one in a hurry. The Lightning looked rested, they looked sharp, and the Islanders looked like a team that had just played a hard-fought seven-game series against a division rival, and then traveled from Toronto to Edmonton, leaving the Toronto bubble for the first time in a few months. So, uh, clearly, the Islanders need to regroup after this game and figure out what they need to do, because Tampa Bay is playing at a completely different level than any of the opponents the Islanders faced so far. And one of the discouraging aspects of this game was how quickly the wheels seemed to come off uh, as far as by the second period after it was 4-1 and then 5-1 you, you knew this was not going to necessarily be a competitive hockey game and you kept waiting for the Islanders to at least show Tampa something show them that hey maybe maybe they could just win the last you know the last period play well enough in the third period to say, hey, we're here, we may not win this game, but we can play with you, and this is going to be a series. Unfortunately, the Islanders really did not accomplish that in Game 1, and they are pretty much back to square one in this series. One question that the Islanders definitely have to answer, who do you start in goal in Game 2? Again, Tomas Grice didn't play particularly well, but can't say that any of those three goals were his fault. Simeon Varlamov comes in and gives up 
five goals in 25 shots in the 49 minutes and change that he played. The problem I had by the end of the game, and it's understandable, Varlamov's body language was bad. And again, not a lot of the goals, there weren't a lot of soft goals that Varlamov gave up either. The problem was not the goaltending, although the goaltending did not come up big very often, if at all, in this game. The problem was that the Lightning were faster, they were more skilled, and they were winning all those 50-50 puck battles whenever there was one. You know, so often in the Flyer series, the Capital series, the Panthers series, it was the Islanders who were smothering the opposition on the forecheck, who were forcing turnovers and errors, who were, you know, making those plays to win 50-50 battles, the little plays to chip the puck out of the zone and transition to offense. There was very, very little of that in this game. They did not play Islanders hockey for maybe a couple of minutes here and there. Maybe one of the power plays looked good, but overall, they did not play Islanders hockey, and they lost their cool. So, which goalie do you go with? Do you go back to Grice uh, because, you know, he didn't look terrible, but, you know, didn't look good? Or do you go back to Varlamov, who, again, not a lot of soft goals in there, but at the same time, boy, did he seem to lose his confidence later on in that game, and he just looked dejected and defeated, and obviously, you can't have that. Look, anybody who has been watching the Islanders all season long knows that the Islanders need and rely on their goalies to come up big on those few situations where they allow quality scoring chances. Well, the Lightning had a lot of quality scoring chances. There weren't a few. And I don't think that, you know, Martin Brodeur, Terry Sawchuk, Jacques Plante, uh, you know, and Ken Dryden could have stopped a lot of these shots. You look at the the shot chart that I always like to look at at the end of the game, and boy, oh boy, did the Lightning have a lot of chances from, you know, those, the slot area and the area from the face-off dots. You make a triangle to the crease. Boy, were there a lot of opportunities for the Bolts from in that area. Now, the Islanders had some decent chances as well, but Vasilevsky was equal to the task. You're going to see some lineup changes, no doubt. I personally would lean toward Grice for game two, if only because I think he, you know, didn't leave the game with that kind of body language, where, you know, when Grice left the game, the Islanders were still in it, and they weren't blaming him for being down three to one at that point. It was just, hey, we need to try to change the momentum. But Varlamov just looked so down and so defeated by the third period that I wonder whether or not he will be able to regroup in time for game two. The other issue, obviously, that has to concern Islanders fans, Cal Clutterbuck, uh, 
And this is a big credit to Cal Clutterbuck. In the third period, game already out of reach, Islanders shorthanded. He goes down to block a shot, blocks it, but needed to be, you know, helped to the dressing room, tried to come out, uh, excuse me, it happened late in the second period, tried to come out for the third period and then headed back into the locker room and did not return. Will Cal Clutterbuck be available for game number two? The Islanders rely on Clutter for his experience, his leadership, and of course, the fourth line always sets the tone for this Islander team. So we will keep an eye on the status of Cal Clutterbuck between now and Wednesday. And of course, we'll keep you up to date on all the latest. All right, when we come back, our Islanders birthday of the day, plus a look ahead to game two and some of the things that have to change for the Islanders, and maybe some lineup changes in store as well. Lots more to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Okay, time for our Islanders birthday of the day. Happy, uh, right now, happy 34th birthday, one day late to former Islanders defenseman Andrew McDonald, a native of Nova Scotia. McDonald drafted by the Islanders in the sixth round of the 2006 NHL entry draft. Signed with Bridgeport in 06-07, played his first game for the Islanders in the 2008-2009 season, remained with the Isles through 2013-2014 when he was traded to the Philadelphia Flyers. Stayed with the Flyers until uh, 2018-2019, and then spent this past season in the Swiss League. Uh, 586 career NHL games so far for AMAC, 28 goals, 161 points, and uh, a nice guy, Andrew McDonald. I've had the pleasure of interviewing him a number of times. We're going to look at one of his Better games with the Islanders. Take you back to March 5th, 2011. Islanders and the Blues at the Nassau Coliseum. 10,354 fans on hand for this one. It was Ben Bishop in goal for the St. Louis Blues. Al Montoya, Il Cubano, in goal for the New York Islanders. Islanders on the board first. John Tavares. His 24th of the year from P.A. Parento and Travis Hamanick at 9-12. That made it 1-0 Islanders. And then in the final minute of the first period, P.A. Parento got his 15th. Michael Grabner and John Tavares with the helpers. After one period, it's the Islanders 2 and the Blues nothing. In the second, midway through, AMAC gets on the board. Andrew McDonald with his Third of the season, Matt Martin and Josh Bailey with the helpers at 12:49, and the Islanders had a three-nothing advantage after two periods. By the way, in that second period, Matt Martin dropping the gloves with B.J. Crombean of the Blues. In the third, the Blues get on the board to make it closer. Andy McDonald of St. Louis, his 14th from T.J. Oshie and Alex Peterangelo, that made it three to one. Three minutes and 26 seconds into the third, but Andrew McDonald, his second goal of the game, unassisted his fourth of the year at 6:22, and the Islanders led by a score of 4-2. Chris Stewart scored on the power play for the Blues 
The Islanders were called for too many men on the ice. For Stewart is 20th from Patrick Berglund and Andy McDonald. That made it a uh, a 4-2 game, but then Michael Grabner puts it out of reach less a little more rather than two minutes later. His 26, Franz Nielsen and Jack Hillen with the helpers. Final score in this one. Islanders 5, Blues 2, and for Al Montoya, 21 saves to earn the victory. Two goals for Andrew McDonald. He also tied for the team lead with a plus two. Michael Grabner, P.A. Parento, and John Tavares, each with a goal and an assist. And as far as shots on goal were concerned, Kyle Oposo led the way with four. Franz Nielsen and Jack Hillen added three apiece. By the way, for Andrew McDonald, two goals on two shots. So happy birthday to former Islanders defenseman Andrew McDonald. Yesterday, AMAC turning 34 years old. And we celebrate his birthday by looking back at this game from March 5th, 2011. Islanders over the Blues, 5-2. to two. All right, so game two. We have talked very often this season on this show about how good a coach Barry Trotz is, that he doesn't let his teams get too high, he doesn't let his teams get too low. Right now, this is going to be a huge challenge for Barry Trotz, and what he has to do is sell his team on the fact that, yes, they played a terrible game in Game 1, but they are capable of staying with the Tampa Bay Lightning, of playing their style of hockey and forcing the Lightning to make mistakes and staying in a game with the Lightning and thereby staying in this series. At the end of the day, the the best part about the terrible performance in Game 1 is they're still only down one game in this series. And psychologically... Barry Trotz has to rebuild the confidence of this hockey team. You got to hope that Cal Clutterbuck is available for game two. You got to hope that Jordan Eberle can gain some more confidence as a goal scorer after finally getting off the schneid, after being held off the goal category during the Flyer series. And you got to hope that the Islanders are able to regroup in this one. Lineup changes, wouldn't be surprised, depending again on Cal Clutterbuck's situation. Even if Cl- if Clutterbuck is available, I don't know if Ross Johnston stays in the lineup. Not that he particularly played poorly, but I get the feeling they're going to want a little more speed out there on the ice to try to match up with the speed of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the other thing is this, the Islanders have got to slow down Tampa Bay's top line. I mean, Nikita Kucherov, one goal, four assists. Braden Point, two goals, three assists. Yanni Gord, two goals. I mean, these guys were just on fire Uh, and just making so many smart plays, good plays. Victor Hedman, a goal and two assists. Kevin Shattenkirk, only on the ice for 13 minutes and 17 seconds. He had three assists for the Lightning. 
the problem is that Tampa Bay more or less did everything they wanted to do, and the Islanders were just unable to match it. None of the Islanders' lines were pluses. In fact, look, Jordan Eberle was even. Jean-Gabriel Pajot was even. Ross Johnston was even. And Scott Mayfield was even. That's it. I mean, everyone else on the Islanders was a minus. Uh, Eberle had five shots on goal, by far the most for the Islanders. Nobody even, uh, nobody else had even four in this game. In fact, no other forward had more than two. It was Nick Letty who had three, and Letty had a couple plays where he jumped into the play and looked pretty good offensively. Block shots, not where they usually are for this Islanders team, and that's frustrating. From top to bottom, the Islanders just did not play their game, and that's going to have to change if the Islanders are hoping to make a series of it. I think they can. I don't think they're going to go quietly and easily into this dark night, as they say, and you will see a different Islanders team taking the ice Wednesday on Game 2. We will have a full preview of Game 2. We'll have an update on the Cal Clutterbuck injury situation. We will have more quotes and information from the players and the coaching staff. All of that on tomorrow's show. But folks, it's got to get better than it was today for the New York Islanders. Stay safe, everybody. Have a good day. And uh, don't forget to join us every Monday through Friday. Our shows drop a little after midnight around 12.25 in the morning. So if you're a late-night person, you could listen before you go to bed. If you're an early morning person, you want to listen on your way to work, you can always catch the show that way, but that's when the new shows drop. So it's uh, early Monday morning to early Friday morning, and during the playoffs now, uh, over the weekend, we'll come through with some bonus episodes if it's appropriate, like it was after the big win Saturday night. Stay safe, everybody, and of course... Let's go Islanders.